oh my Put me in coach, I'm ready to play fantasy I know I turned two in a day, but the laces ain't hot in my veins I can turn two in every way, so I turn to you two today And smash play, I'm prepared to listen The x fippin' whip got me looking way past the pitches Statistics all that I know, and I know that who is on first He can say I'm ready to go <laughs> I ain't tryna steal second or third Cause I wanna win first How am I to put all of these numbers to words I know the terms from A to Z It's like a gift and a curse I know the difference between a splitter and a curve But if I can't put it in the points Man, then what's it worth? I need the truth I need knowledge Found this podcast with all of it But what they call it? Turn two Turn two, Turn two. What they do? Hey everybody, welcome back to the Turn 2 Podcast brought to you by rotofanatic.com. I'm your host, Matt Williams. You can find me on Twitter at M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-M-S. Today on the show, we'll be going back to our outfield preview. We took a break for a week to talk about all the amazing transactions that happened during the flurry before the lockout, but right now we'll go back to outfield part two. We have an idea of where we left off. Me and Brian were talking before the show. <laughs> ADP has shifted so much in two weeks. Uh, so um, we want to use current ADP, but then we also want to like not recover players. So we may skip someone. We may go over the same people twice, but we think we have a handle on it. Anyway, joining me as always is my co-host, Mr. Brian Seymour. What's up, Brian? Doing pretty good, man. Uh, in the second of my NFBC DCs for the year so far and really enjoying it. I think we're in round 18 right now. So actually kind of topical for today's show uh, because we'll probably be hitting on some names that are coming up in my draft right now. So just loving being in the draft room and, uh, you know, edging ever closer to, I don't know, hopefully a lockout resolution. I really have not been reading anything. I'm just kind of waiting for the whole thing to blow over. So I don't know about you. For everyone listening, Brian's no joke. He's jumping. He jumped right into the four hundred dollar DCs. Which, if I mean, if I'm putting out like, I'll do the one fifties. For me to put out more than that, I usually like more information. And I know Zach Roto. For anyone who doesn't follow him, he's great. Um, he's been putting out a lot of anecdotal information on, as far as who has performed better, people that draft early or later. Um, and it, it pretty much comes out as a wash, but there's a lot of different reasons for that. Better players draft early and it kind of washes out the misinformation of like not knowing who's closing and stuff like that. But I love to have more information. It's not that like there's an edge to drafting early, which is why I love to do it. Um, but as far as like my big money drafts, I really, I just need to know who's that. I don't want to be screwed because like I drafted a guy who's all of a sudden going to like get replaced, <laughs> you know, or, right. you know, it's like you, you draft Corey Knable, you feel good about him being the Phillies closer and then boom, they trade for Krem Kimbrell or sign Kenley Jansen. I, I like a little more information. So before we get into the outfield, Brian, just how come you love doing these, uh, these early ones? It's just the fact that you just love that early edge and um, you, you think that that, uh, that gives you uh, more one up than any of the negatives of uh, misinformation or just a lack of information. I'll be honest. It doesn't, it actually is not really for that reason. My actual plan of attack this year, as I think we kind of talked about before is since I've historically been a best ball player, primarily mm-hmm. um, I really wanted to shift over to draft and holds in DCs because uh, it's just, I've grown to love that format a lot more. And I was at the point where I, I thought I'd be able to attack the $400 price point and they just happened to start filling up. Oh, at the beginning of December. I think the first one, I think the first one we got going right at the end of November, actually. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know to actually answer the question that I feel 
I, I would, you know what? I play it like a, like diversifying basically. So, you know, you're drafting early and you're drafting late. And I think it's another level of diversifying. Like, Hey, I have drafts from November, December, January. And I also have a whole bunch from like February and March. I just think it's another level of diversifying. Maybe the players that you're able to get, what their draft cost was and stuff like that. I don't necessarily prefer one or the other, but I do get your point about wanting to let the dust settle, especially in a roto format, because, we need like closer clarity. Um, you know, that, that's a big thing. So I think that's something that obviously people are struggling with. You hear a lot of people talking about it. Many podcasts are on closers right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think there's edges to be had at either time. But for me, it's simply just like diversity, diversifying the portfolio, drafting early, drafting late. I'd, I'd like to do it both. So that's really where I stand. That makes sense. I I love drafting early and I do it anyways. It's just last year. God, I think last year was just so annoying because like I think I loaded up on like Masahiro Tanaka shares because I thought and and there was there was I mean, there was so much out there that he you know, he was going to sign like a one year deal with the Yankees and he didn't want to play anywhere else. And I thought for sure that was the way it was going to go. And then boom, Japan. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, I did the same thing, man. Yeah. So that was that was a little rough. Um, But anyway, let's let's get into the outfield. Last time. I believe the last player we talked about was Avisel Garcia. We talked about Ian Happ. The ADP has shifted a little bit, but right now um, we'll start with the outfielder 50, Michael Conforto, who is very interesting for multiple reasons. I believed in his breakout um, in the 2020 season, which has proven to be a throwaway season for a lot of players. Some players that tipped their hand towards something better because I believed in his line drive rate. I think that he had high BABIP skills, kind of like Freddie Freeman, not like the speed kind of BABIP skills um, that certain players like Tyler O'Neill can bring. But he, I think he is a guy that he improved his uh, hitting to opposite field. He improved his um, his performance versus left-handed pitching. He improved his line drive rate, uh, all along things that we've seen him do before his shoulder surgery. And then, of course, he just falls off completely last season. It's 232. Still 344 on base, which is good. 12.3% walk rate. He's always walking. He only struck out 21% of the time, so that was pretty good. Um, Just the power, just nowhere. 14 home runs, uh, 52 runs, 55 RBIs. His barrel rate still uh, 9.2. I mean, it's not the year before was 11. year before that, 10.6. Not bad. Hard hit rate, 39.1. Pretty good. Uh, It's just... A lot of things are off. I mean, his expected batting average, 20 point higher at 253. His slugging, X slugging, 384, 435. Everything looks like it was just a weird season. It was for the Mets too. And he also dealt with some soft tissue injuries. The whole Mets team did. So I love him at this price point again. We don't know where he's going to play. The smart money is he signs maybe a one-year deal, in my opinion, re-up his value. You know, kind of like what Marcus Simeon did. Maybe he goes to the Phillies, which would hurt me. But, man, they need an outfielder, and that's a beautiful park for him to play in. So I think he'll sign somewhere favorable for himself. And uh, everything I thought about him last year, I think about him this year. Maybe I'm not as gung-ho. But uh, at this price point, I I love this. I think it's total disrespect. It's not that wide of a spread. His min is 150. His top is 216, which sounds wide, but it's not. You know, it's pretty typical for this side. But given the players around him, I, I really like him and I think I'll end up with him on quite a few teams. 
I'm with you. This is really interesting because like, yeah, I, I was doing the same little thing you were there and looking at some of the names around him and you see who we already covered Dylan Carlson going 30 spots higher. That's two rounds. I mean, <laughs> you could easily see Conforto crushing the season that Dylan Carlson could have this year. Uh, Adolis Garcia. Are you kidding me? That's a complete joke. Uh, Alex Verdugo. I mean, there, there's some names here that I'm kind of like, yeah, uh, I don't know. Even Austin Meadows. I, you can see Conforto outdoing those guys, and I love your idea about the one-year deal. I think that makes total sense. And what was the rumor the other day? Was he just at, like, what was the deal? Like, Zach Wheeler, was it his wedding or something like that? I don't know, some kind of weird Philly connection. So maybe maybe, uh, maybe you're right. Maybe he goes over to the Phillies. I don't know. But, I, I yeah, I could definitely see the one-year deal, and I think there's a scenario where uh, Conforto is definitely a bargain for right now where he's going. Uh, next guy up will be uh, Jorge Soler. Not really much there as far in terms of there being a surprise. I, I am, I am a, fa- I'm a huge fan. I wrote an article about him around the All Star break um, about the the high about the low drag um, in baseball, which it turns out MLB apparently threw two baseballs out there. But I was going through mm-hmm. since uh, there was the whole thing with the new ball. If anyone can't remember, the whole thing with it was there were higher exit velocities, but there was more drag. So off the bat, it was going. Um, it was going harder, except it, the more it stayed in the air, it would drag more, which dragged down on more home runs. So just the, basically the science of it, if you hit it higher into the air, the more it's in the air, the lower, uh, the more of a chance it gets to hit a wall down, except Solaire hits it at a pretty optimal launch angle and hits it hard enough where I thought he was someone that could just split, split right through it and thought he would bounce back, which he obviously did. Um, he had a pretty big second half. So, was it the uh, second half pre All Star break? Batted 186 uh, with seven home runs and uh, 15 uh, 15 doubles post All Star break. Um, he hits two two thirty one only with a double and six home runs for the Royals, and then hit fourteen home runs and eleven doubles with uh, the Braves, hitting two sixty nine, slugging five twenty four. So big time second half for him. So we we know what he gives you. All the power in the world. The thing that held him back in previous years was health, basically. Um, And uh, over the past couple of seasons, he's he's pretty much stayed together. Played in all 162 in 2019. In 2020, played in 43 of 60. And last year, he played in 149, which, you know, if you're drafting Solaire, you take that every day of the week. So what are we thinking here for Solaire? Uh, Do you think that you always got to worry about that first half kind of slump. Um, is this something where it's just, you know, he was in Kauffman stadium uh, that, you know, that could have just been a drag there. Do you, is he someone that you are happy targeting like earlier to hear to, to make a step up or like, what is your expectations? Cause that 48 home runs in 2019 looks like it's probably never coming again. But yeah. if you took his second half that he just had this year and he did that for a whole year, boom, it's, it is 2019 again. There's enough uh, questions that I have to ask myself with Solaire that I, I kind of want to avoid him, honestly. I mean, like you said, there's a lengthy injury history, and he played part-time for a number of years. I thought he was able to really put it together. And like you said, it's just so uh, dependent on the power. Now, this is where you want to get your power, obviously, in a deep roto draft. It's great to get these guys late because we know that power is abundant. But I, you know, I have some questions. I mean, the last few years have been good. Like you said, 48 homer a year. I don't think that's ever going to happen again, but I'm more looking at the playing time. He played all 162, played most of the COVID season, uh, played 149 last year. But before that, you know, you got his whole career. I mean, from 2015 on, 101 games, 86 games, 35 games, 61 games. 
We don't know his team yet. Um, there's just enough volatility that I, I'm not super interested, and he doesn't really bring enough to the table that you know kind of separates him from like the Hunter Renfro's of the world back here and stuff like that. So I, I'm not really that interested in Solaire, while fully recognizing you know he could go somewhere, the stars could align, and he hits 45 bombs. I mean that could happen. It's not really something that I'm too interested in getting into, though, at this price. Something that's interesting with him, which you cannot bank on this. I'm only saying it once so I can say it was on it was on it was recorded when it, when it happened. <laughs> uh, he has a Marcelo Zuna season in him. If you look at his if, if you look at his uh, if you uh, when I say that, I mean, his big Miami breakout that got him his contract. Mm. If um if you kind of look at his batted ball profile, it if no one knew anything about Jorge Soler, you'd assume he's a huge, massive strikeout guy, all or nothing home run. And it's that couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, has a 10, has at least a double digit walk rate every year since 2016 had 11.1 last year, only a 23.6 strikeout rate. He had a 34.5 in the, in the shortened 2020 season, but other than that, 26.2, 26.8 in the previous two. So last year um, he actually kind of posted his best, ish season from a plate discipline standpoint uh he, his o swing you know his chases outside of the zone is always pretty decent uh and below league average uh in a good way uh and this year it was 27 compared to the league average of 31.3 so about 4.3 points below that's very good his whole problem is contact if mm-hmm. he could you know Every time, like Blake Snell, he won the Cy Young because he had good luck fall his way. <laughs> he, he really, really outperformed his field independent pitching. Sometimes those years come. If a year comes where Soler is just seeing the ball a little better because, again, he has good place discipline, he, he smashes the ball. The whole thing with him is like his in-zone contact is just kind of meh. Um, you know, league average at best. Um, and his overall contact rate is, uh, is below league average. So I, I think there is something there. Uh, you just can't pay for it because, you know, I mean, I I'm here just putting puzzle pieces together, but you know, he's been playing since 2014. It's not like we're talking about a sophomore or, or even a junior player here, but, um, I do like Solaire. Uh, I, I think that if I were searching for power in this area, I think I'd rather go, go here than like an Adam Duvall, or Joey yeah. Gallo or Hunt. I like Hunter Renfro. I do. Um, I do too. So I, I, I like Renfro. I like a Renfro and, and Solaire. I, I like rather than the Gallows, uh, the the Duval types or, um, you know, waiting a little later. I, I think that it's a good spot if you've leaned into starting pitching, leaned into speed. And uh, this is an area where I think it's okay to grab s- some power because after this, you get into Jock Peterson, guys like, that could have some platoon splits guys that do have serious strikeout issues that could be benched. I think that this is an area where the bats are safe. So if you really need some hardcore power, I think those are the Renfro and, um, and Solaire, the guys that I'm comfortable targeting. If that's what you need to do. I think you did nail it there. I was just going down outfield and yeah, once you get past Solaire, you're not really getting that kind of power for the foreseeable future. So uh, yeah, I can see where you're coming from. All right, Austin Hayes is up next uh, in the – who would have thought? I mean, I remember writing about it in spring training uh, saying, like, hey, Cedric Mullins is playing a lot in the outfield. And they were playing uh, – who's who else was there? Who was injured the whole season? They had – there was some – it wasn't one of the – I'm trying to think of – I'm, like, I'm thinking off the top of my head here. DJ uh, Stewart I mean- maybe? Oh yeah, he was hurt the majority of the year. Yeah, yeah, he, he but he was playing really well in spring training, and I was thinking, I was trying to tell everyone, like, 
not that I'm the Cedric Mullen guy. That's that's just amazing. But I did have Cedric Mullins everywhere. I just noticed this thing. They were playing him every day in center. It's like, and I said, I think Austin Hayes could actually lose a bats here because of the way he gets injured and they might try to keep him fresh. Uh, but in here nor there, uh, Cedric Mullins shine on his own. But this is something you got to worry about with, with Austin Hayes for his entire career is just his health uh, staying on the field. But uh, last year he did stay on for 131 games, which was good before that 20 games, 21 games. Well, the first year didn't count as his rookie year, but then 21 games, 33 games. So he finally plays 131 bats, 256 with a 461 slugging hits 22 home runs, 71 RBIs, four stolen bases there. We've seen what he can do in the minor leagues. Um, you know, there's a little bit of speed there, but I mean, you're going to max out maybe at 10 if like, you know, that'll probably be his career best season if he's healthy. Where do you think the ceiling is for, for home runs here? Man, I, I, I think he really could hit near 30, like in that ballpark and mm-hmm. some of the power he's displayed before. I think he could do that. And, and the fact that he also chips in some stolen bases as well. It's just a matter of, like you said, staying healthy, which is, uh, you know, I, I hate finishing sentences that, like, yeah, he could do this if he was healthy. Well, I mean, that's that's a major point. So it's like it's hard to get like super involved, I think, um, with the injury history. I think if he continues to have years like last year, he will only improve upon the performance. Um but yeah, with the injury history, it, it, it's hard to bite, even though we are getting a little bit late here, getting near like pick 200. Do you, do you like him in that area? Cause it seems to me, I know we're getting through where the, the everyday bats are hard to come by, but when we, we start talking about guys like this, who have the injury problems, how do how do you feel about someone like that? Um, like basically weighing the injury risk, even though we're later in the draft. Is that kind of what you mean? Yeah. Like going, uh, attacking like an outfielder like this, like you said, he doesn't give you a ton yeah. of speed. He's, he's, he's like, he could give you like 25 to 30 home runs double digit steals that's if you're playing if you are playing every day that's very valuable but since he has those question marks i mean he batted 222 last year but andrew mccutcheon batted 20 had 27 home runs and six stolen bases and you can get him you know way later you way later you get him right now at a 328 uh and you're you're gonna have to draft you're gonna have to draft our boy austin hayes at 203 so right. that's what i'm saying is is that upside with his injury risk really worth that extra 80 picks because that 25 to 30 home run with 10 stolen base, that's actually not that hard of a profile to find. It just comes with greater risk later. It's, it's more of a question of is Hayes actually that much less of a risk? Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, we, again, last year being his most healthy season and it was still only 131 games had a couple IL stints. So, um, I, I don't know. I think people are still kind of dreaming on that performance you're talking about, even though, like you said, you can find it elsewhere. I think he's a little bit of an enigma just because of the injury history and stuff. I would love for him to kind of, you know, be a staple in Baltimore's outfield and be a guy you can count on. I just don't know with the health history that we've seen. So I, you know, yeah, I might be I on the that. sidelines. Yeah. Well, 80 picks later is McCutcheon. I think a better comp, if you're looking for that kind of risk and um, upside, I, I'd say wait 40, 40, 50 picks, grab Harrison Bader. Uh, yeah. and, and I mean, he grabbed, uh, he had 16 home runs, stole nine bags and only 367 at bats. So I, I think that he is someone and he batted 267 while doing it. I think that he could have a career year coming up if he can stay on the field 
Uh, he's he's a fantastic fielder. So yeah. that's another reason they want to keep him on the field. And Hayes is a good fielder as well. But um, yeah, I just think they're I think they're very similar in terms of what they can provide. I, I think so. I just think Hayes is a little early. Uh, one guy that seems to be a decent value, someone I was completely out on. I thought he was done, to be honest, is Andrew Benintendi, and he was a pleasant surprise. <laughs> uh, so how do you how do you find him going in drafts this year? Because for now, it looks like he the 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 Red Sox messed up moving him, or maybe he just needed that change of sceneries, and that was the only way it was going to happen. But 276, 17 home runs, eight stolen bases. Another guy that um, – He's not going to give you as much power as uh, Hayes, but in a kind of that similar power, mo- modest power, maybe more speed. He's you know he's stolen twenty in the past. We don't know if he'll get back there with the Royals, but um, you know he's just another guy I definitely would like to have in this area. He's intriguing. Yeah, I've seen some stuff on Twitter about him the last couple of days that I only half-heartedly read. So apologize for not remembering it. But uh, <laughs> I, I yeah, I like what we saw last year with Kansas City. Um, you know he's definitely going to be playing there uh and uh, you know pr- presumably hitting you know i guess somewhat high in the order most of the time out of all the outfielders in kansas city he is definitely one of them <laughs> yeah he's definitely an outfielder in kansas city um but yeah like the power and speed combo and stuff i i think honestly like you, know, you just would drop down to bader but i think like even talking about austin hayes right there um, I don't, you're never going to see Ben Intendi get anywhere near 30 home runs or anything, but mm. I think what he can offer and be playing a lot and, you know, a somewhat improving lineup, depending upon if Mondesi ever stays on the field and if Bobby Witt comes up. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, there's some intrigue there. So I, I'm starting to, you know, as I see all these smart people on Twitter talking about some underlying metrics and stuff, get a little bit more interested in Ben Attendee. I I hadn't had any of them yet. But uh, yeah, I I think there's some value here. I think there's a sneaky play here uh, a little bit after pick 200. It's all very similar players in this area, all with their own yeah. version of risk. Uh, the next guy up is AJ Pollock. Throw him in there too. I mean, they have different mixtures of power and speed of what they can do. But if they were all healthy, if you add home runs and stolen bases together, they're all kind of giving you the same thing. Last year, only 384 bats for Pollock. 21 home runs, nine stolen bases, about a 297. I mean, it's amazing how good this guy can still be when he is on top of his game. And uh, he was among the, the league leaders and top 10% expected batting average too. I mean, the, the skills are legit. Like Michael Brantley, when these guys are healthy and they were in their prime, I mean, they were they were just some of the best, like a Grady Sizemore you know, of, of the world. Those guys that just couldn't stay on the field. But Pollock's still very strong. But again, he can't stay on the field. He just can't. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, I don't know what that means as far as how you should value him. Because in 2020, he had 16 home runs um, in, you know, and only 196 at bats, which is absurd. Uh, the, the last few years that he was like in a normal season, 425 at bats, 413, 308, and 384. In those years, he had 14, 21, 15, and 21 home runs. Six, eight, seven, and six stolen. Oh no, I'm sorry. Uh, 20, 13, five, and nine stolen bases. Usually with a a, a batting average around 260, 265 is is a better gauge of of where to find him at. So you know, it's the same kind of thing with Hayes. <laughs> it's just, uh, I guess, between the two of them, would you rather gamble on Hayes because he's younger and hope for health and better health and him just improving his skills, or go with Pollock, a guy who has proven, but you know, um, has the same injury problems, but maybe could be on a, on an age decline. 
Of those two, I think I'm definitely going Hayes, uh, just because Pollock has just such a long track record of being hurt. I mean, he literally never plays a full season. Uh, okay, 2015 he did. That's yeah, it. one but, uh, one time. That was a good year <laughs> for everybody. Yeah. For everyone who can't remember how good he was, 315 he hit with 39 doubles, 20 home runs, and 39 stolen bases. That's crazy. He was worth almost seven Fangraphs war. It was amazing. Yeah, I remember him back then. But, you know, and the Dodgers have depth, obviously. This guy's pretty crazy. I mean, like you said, super talented still. But, you know, Steamer's projecting him for 125 games. I think that's pretty fair. Um, I, I think it might even be too high. I'm not sure that you can really peg him for anything over than that. Um, so, again, like you said, so many similar players right around this range. I'm not going to get involved with Pollock because just, you know, it, you know, the cap is going to be there on the game. So I, I probably won't get involved with him. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I'm not going to stay on the injury thing much longer. We'll, we'll move on past that. But Hayes, I, I'm not taking Hayes or Pollock. I just, I don't want the injuries if I don't have to have them. Uh, give me Ben and Give me the next guy we're talking about. Ramon Laureano. Mm. Here is an interest. 27 years old. He's another guy that's going to give you very similar stats at his, you know, at, that what we've been talking about. Uh, um, I think he's uh, gives you what you're expecting from Ben Nintendi with upside. Uh, he has definitely has the batted ball skills to give you plus 25 home runs. He's, we've seen him in 481 at bats in 2019, hit 24, steal 13 uh, last year, and only 378 plate appearances had hit 14 and stolen 12 for getting popped and suspended. So. And while hitting 246, I like him a lot. Uh, it, there's there's certainly risk here, but every single year of his career, he's just he's just ulti- he's just like ultimately talented. And his you know he, he's popped the barrel rate around 11. percent I think that any line drive rate always 22, 21, 25 percent. Everything I kind of want to see in a player that could turn in a high BABIP season, which would be great for, you know, uh, a return on investment. I, I like everything I see out of Loriano. He's just, he's just had, he can't get a, out of his own way, <laughs> but the last couple of years, 88.6 uh, Z contact, 87.3. I kind of like to see that that's well, you know, well above the league average. So if you can barrel the ball, make above average uh, contact, uh, I love it. And you got a little speed. I think there's a big year kind of coming his way at some point. And I think, I'd like to get him a little later, but I think this is appropriate because I think that there's a very good chance he outperforms everyone in the vicinity. I absolutely love his overall skill set. There's pretty much nothing he does wrong. Sure, I mean, maybe you'd like him to hit for a little bit of a better batting average, but for everything else so consistent across the board and the fact that he's a, a great defender, he's not coming off the field. Um, so I, I absolutely love him. Um, how many? I wish, they tra- I, wish they'd, I wish they'd trade him. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. They very well could. But how many games are you scheduled to miss this year? Um, how many more? Because the suspension here? is definitely is definitely cutting into this year. Um, yeah, which is giving I me wish- pause. In addition to the fact that he's never played more than 123 games. Now, the COVID season, he played 54, so maybe you could extrapolate that out. But, you know, last year, of course, was mainly the suspension. We just haven't really seen him on the field for a whole year. So, you know, I, I, I want to see that happen, I feel like, for a while before I get involved. But I'm not, I totally agree with you. I absolutely love the skills across the board. Um, but I imagine he's serving at least a 20-game suspension still with Steamer only projecting 126 games, right? I mean, are you trying to yeah, find Yeah, he it? was suspended for 80 games uh, back in August. Okay. So I think I think that sounds about right. 
Um, maybe a little less than 20. He's got, he's got, he's definitely on the tail end of this. Yeah. He's out for April at least probably. I think he's probably yes. out for April. Yeah. So, uh, there was 53 games that T he was, uh, out for, uh, in 2021. So he will miss the first 27 games in 2022. There you go. Okay. So That's about the lot. first month. Yeah. And for me, it's like, I, Okay, so you know for a fact, and this is the Acuna debate that people have been having, even though, you know, every time there's a new video of him hitting, it's like, oh, take him first overall. But, um, you know, these, like, if you know a guy is going to miss April, and in this case, we do, there's Loriano <laughs> can't video his way into April, but like, I, I don't, um, I don't think I can do that just because it's like, I know for a fact I'm getting five months out of this guy versus other people that, you know, very well. Well, could play the full season. So it, it's tough for me, but I agree with you. I love his skills. Well, it depends. I think if I'm strong, if I'm weak in the outfield, um, rather mm -hmm. than just maybe plug in, I don't know. Maybe if I'm strong in the outfield, I'd rather take a shot. If, if I know I'm just going to fill in with some bodies later, I may like it. But again, this is a guy with a widespread and ADP min and 172, um, max of 289. The the idea would be to be towards the, the mid to back of that. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I think that, I don't know he's still he's very intriguing to me, and this is you know much later than he typically would go. So he's still on my radar. But you're absolutely right. I mean, if you're missing 30 games, that's a big deal. Uh, but in like a draft champions thing where I can just you know plug and play with a deep roster, um, you can kind of plan around missing him. Then you know it's just something you got to do. But it's a, it's an interesting gamble. It's not like you're waiting on an injured player to come back, which would be one thing. Right. Like they everyone waiting for injured pitchers to come back and they come back and they're not as good. I think it's reasonable to say Loriano comes back. It's not like he's going to have some kind of crazy period of, of, of not playing well, um, if you believe in him. But here nor there, uh, I like him. And he will be gone for a month. Andrew yes. Vaughn. How do you like uh, Mr. Vaughn? He had his ups and downs all year with the Giant or with the, uh, the White Sox and wasn't getting actually like consistent playing time. Uh, struggled a bit, batted 235. 15 home runs, 48 RBIs. Are you expecting a, like either you're, you're on him or you're not? Because I mean, the, in his first, when he first came up, he was hitting a little better 253 um, over 272 plate appearances in the first half and hit 10 of his home runs in the second half, hit five home runs, only two 10 batting average uh, and 197 plate appearances. So, um, uh, you know, about 80 less there. So he definitely struggled towards the back. doesn't give you any speed. Um, doesn't give you like that multi eligibility or anything like that. I, I don't know if he's a guy I want to really gamble on. Cause I know it's a little later, but I mean, I guess here's a good thing. I'm seeing a name coming up real soon. Anthony Santander. What are you expecting at? What are people expecting out of Andrew Vaughn on his upside, which he hasn't shown us yet that you don't think Santander will definitely give you, um, you know, 20, 20 so picks later. Yeah, that that really doesn't make sense to me. And I, to be frank, I'm I'm not incredibly interested in either player. But in, in terms of Vaughn, yeah, and you're we don't, totally we don't just... stand for we don't stand for Santander. <laughs> you're not down with that, okay? Well, I I told you I like Austin Hayes anyway. But um, <laughs> yeah, I uh, I you're really betting on Vaughn to do like what his prospect pedigree has been right now on roster resource. And I actually saw this today. Um, he's not listed in the starting lineup now. That you know, take that with a very small grain of salt, but still, I don't know. Steamer projection for 115 games. I think he maybe plays more than that, but I mean, the White Sox have a good lineup. I mean, if he just isn't producing, he probably won't play. So 
that's a scary thought when you're drafting for draft champions right now. So I don't know, man. I mean, it's, it's hard for me to want to get involved, even though it's like, Hey, prospect pedigree, like that'll play out and he'll play, but I don't know. Yeah. I've, I've got some nervousness taking him around that price. Yeah. Yeah. The uncertainty of at bats, uncertainty of growth. Um, Again, I threw Anthony Santander about there. I like his skills. I there's it's it's not a m- massive ceiling. He's in a nice park. It's it's fine. Uh, Max Kepler, you can get much later too. He had a down year, batting two eleven. I expect him to bounce back quite a bit. He definitely has thirty home runs in that bat. I think he's at least got twenty five that he's ready to bring back to the table, close to double digit steals possibly, uh, from what we saw him do last year. A little more aggressive. So it's just. There's a lot of names I could throw out there as just boring comps that you can get much later. But I guess it's just someone I'm not really willing to to throw the dice on and Andrew Vaughn. Um, how about is Jesus Sanchez? Talk about a lack of track record, but wow. Yeah. This guy, uh, this guy looked like the real deal <laughs> uh for, for the Marlins, who are completely kind of revamping everything. They got Joey Wendell, they got Avisel Garcia, they traded for Jacob Stallings. They're trying to go for it. They'll probably end up trading from their incredible depth at starting pitching and try to improve the rest of the team. Um, last year in 227 at bats, 251, 14 home runs, um, and a 49 slugging percentage. So not too bad with a max EV in the top 10% of the league. So we kind of showed off all of the skills that you're kind of hoping to see, but, uh, again, not a lot of at bats and he's about to get a full-time, uh, helping of major league pitching and they're going to try to figure him out. He, he did most of his feasting on fastballs, did not do well against breaking balls, um, so yeah, Jesus Sanchez, is this a good part of the draft for you to tar- take in swings like that? I know I mentioned our buddy, Zach, he, he loads up on rookies, usually rookies that don't even have, usually aren't even in the majors yet, like Anderson Tejada and like Barrero. But uh, yeah, what do you think of Jesus Sanchez? And Zach's defense, I think he might be going back against that a little bit. Maybe he, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I remember, he's just I remember last year, he would just like <laughs> grab pockets of, of upside <laughs> prospects. Hey, you're talking about a guy who won an auction overall. I'm not making way, fun so. of him. I just said it might be a guy I'd be interested in. I'm not doubting him. I just people have different styles. Uh, yeah. You have you have Dave Rum DMC, Dave McDonald, who doesn't he doesn't draft you if you've been on the IL for more than one day in your entire life. And Zach likes to draft first. <laughs> right. I, I tell you what, with with Sanchez here again, uh, you just named Max Kepler. Why would I take Jesus Sanchez over Max Kepler? It just doesn't make any sense to me at all. I well, mean, uh, it's I, I guess it's a, I guess it's a thing where if you watch Jesus Sanchez hit, you can see the upside. But I mean, want to watch games? Be, so, oh well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I I would like to more than I do, but like, yeah, I don't. I honestly don't get to watch tons and tons of baseball, and I actually think that as a side note, that helps me. Believe it or not, oh, but, no, um, it does probably. Yeah, well, I mean, it, yeah. it probably hurts you in terms of maybe identifying some sleepers, but in terms of uh, uh, looking at everything from a bean counting point of view, it's better to have those blinders on because, like you said, you may miss out. Um, this is something that some people have talked about. Uh, there's two people that had fantastic years last year on different ends of the spectrum as far as um, the way they play. Uh, Guilds and uh, Dussault. Dussault mm-hmm. has no Otani. No Vlad. He pit. He took safe routes. He got at bats. Um, he loaded up on innings. I mean, he he made sure to load up on stuff that he knew that he could count on, and that is how he won. He didn't go on any of this. And then Guilds, he like landed on Vlad on like every team. You know, he he went for the upside and he hit big. I would rather. I mean, 
stupid to say. I'd rather go Dussault route, the guy who won more than anyone <laughs> in the history of ever. Uh, but you know me, I love the death by a thousand paper cuts approach. I like to be a little more uh, conservative. I like to, or if I lose a player, I'm not, I'm not really hit. Um, but you know, that's more early in the draft later in the draft though. I think there's an appropriate time where maybe you can start taking those swings. Do you, st- do you like doing that? Or do you just not like the op- the opportunity to take a zero ever? Because we know Hayes yeah. will miss time. Sanchez though, he's still real young. If he really struggles, uh, he, he could just not perform and give you much at all. I mean, his, his ceiling and floor are so far apart. Yeah. Um, <sighs> I forget what your question was, but yeah, basically at this point of the, <laughs> at this point of the draft, no, I, I don't want to be risking any zeros. And like just the fact that he came up, you know, had 64 games that no doubt are great struck out 31% of the time, which is a bit higher than what we did in the minors. I just, I, I don't want to take a risk on a guy like this with the Marlins where, like I said, there's, this is, he's not doing anything that's extremely profound here that I feel I need to take him. And I can tell the people are bump, I think bumping his price up a little bit based on the fact that he's like a hot new name because who wants Max Kepler, you know what I mean? And it's not like Sanchez, you know, something I look for back here too, especially with outfielders. I want guys who are good defenders because I want to make sure they stay on the field. And I don't think that's really the case with Sanchez either. So, um, you know, I just, I'm not really interested. I haven't really seen him do enough. And I, I if, if he, if there were years of this performance or whatever, sure. I'd probably be intrigued right here because then the rest of the market wouldn't be anymore. Cause he would be a veteran. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not really that into it. All right. That's Jesus Sanchez we're talking about. And to recap this area of the draft, which is, is truly fascinating. Uh, all, they're all very similar players. Again, Austin Hayes, Incredible upside, um, you know, uh, incredible downside with injury risk. Andrew Benintendi, power speed, boring ceiling, but pretty safe production. AJ Pollock, intriguing upside, um, downside of injury. Adam Duvall, intriguing power upside, but, you know, he's platooned a lot in his career. We don't know if that'll come back. Ramon Laureano, missing a month, intriguing upside. Um, has some injury history of his own. Andrew Vaughn, track record. We don't know about his plate appearances. Jesus Sanchez, lack of track record, high upside. Uh, Joe Adele, lack of track record, high upside. Anthony Santander, another boring. He's in the Benintendi camp. Boring, but you know you're what you're going to get. Bader, high upside. I like him the best because I think I think he's a nice mix. I think like his risk isn't as big where I think his ceiling is a nice push. I like him. And then you got Charlie Blackman up next where – um, you know, he's again, boring, but you kind of know what you're going to get. The speed is gone. So it's, we're in that area where I, you can take the boring, like you can be team boring or you can be team upside, uh, where, <laughs> you know, whether you want to try to cash in and maybe take a zero, or if you want to just take, just take your production and put it in the bank. So it's, it's, it's kind of like, um, maybe depending on your own roster construction, what you decide to do here. But um, in general, do you have a general school of thought where you tend to lean or do you kind of go back and forth? Do you have some where you're safe, safe early, go risky late, or do you never go risky early? Like what's, what do you like to do? I want to be back of the Russian history class in college, nodding (laughs) off, falling asleep, boring. That's the level that I am. Um, I've always been a boring drafter and it's brought me a lot of success. So I, now that said, yeah, 250 ish, which we're getting to. Yeah. You you can definitely take some risks or whatever. Um, But again, all these names you're mentioning, these guys all pretty much have their blemishes. You know, even Bader who uh, full disclosure as a Cardinal fan, he's, probably a top three player in all of baseball for me. I love him. Um, you know, he's dealt with 
injuries almost every year. I mean, you oh, know, for sure. You know, I mean, so I, I thought I mentioned too. that, but yeah, definite definite risk. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I like to stay as safe as possible. I, I consider and Bader, you know, I know we're kind of jumping around, but like with Bader, the thing that's so interesting is like, yeah, there's been some injuries, but also he's like the best center fielder in the game. So he stays on the field when the Cardinals play. So, you know, you got to pick your poison. Like what kind of risk are you okay with? Cause like I said, pretty much everybody has some kind of blemish here. God, this, I, I go deeper down this list. Michael Brantley up next. We know what he can do. He gets injured all the time, but you know, you can see what kind of just positive production he can give you when he's on the field. He's, he's one more year older, definite risk there. Seo Suzuki. We don't <laughs> yeah. know how good he is. We don't even know where he's signing. Um, we don't know if he's going to play the last couple of imports that have come over that we're very excited about in Cincinnati and San Diego have been tremendously disappointing. Um, and then you get into the boring and happy players. This is where I like to live again. Andrew Benintendi, come on down. Um, you know, uh, Anthony Santer, come on down. Now we're at Mark Canna and Ramel Tapia. Give me them both. <laughs> I like, I like them both. Canna, I'm worried that he'll bat a little lower down in the Mets lineup than people will like, but again, high on base guy. He'll be in a better park in a good lineup. I think that this is a good spot around pick 260 to get him. And Ramel Tapia, I think. I mean, this guy, when he gets interviewed, they said, they ask him, what is your goal in baseball? And he said, quote, to win the batting title. <laughs> he had 321 <laughs> in 2020, only 273 in 2021. But, um, you know, I like the, uh, I like the goal <laughs> of that he has. He has some speed last year. I mean, in 2020, 89.9% Z contact, 92.7 last year. You're telling me that a guy with some speed playing in the outfield every day in the Coors field is hitting a near 93% Z contact rate, wants to win a batting title. I'm going to be incredibly interested. Uh, the only problem is he swings at a lot of pitches out of the zone as well. But he makes high contact on him, which again, in cores, that's a good spot to be. His swing strike rate is only 6.6. I mean, 6.6, wow. the league average is 11.2. So in, in the zone, this guy, when he swings, he does not miss the ball. He just needs to stop swinging at such crap. Um, but again, 92.7 Z contact. There's something in here. If he can improve his eye at the plate at all, maybe be more aggressive earlier in the count, chase fastballs, anything at all that can improve that. Uh, he could take off and have like a monster season. He stole 20 bases last year. He definitely can have some high bab of skills, aided even further by cores. Um, he can steal 20 bases for you. And again, the last three years, 275, 321, 273 batting average. You can see that jumping sky high in one year, but just the batting average and the double digit or you know, the 20 steals alone is good. But there is a there's a pocket here where if he makes like a little adjustment, he could explode. So I, I love him. He's definitely one of my favorite um, people late in the draft. So I'm pretty shocked to hear you with this Tapia love. That was actually pretty insane and, and good to hear, honestly, because I didn't know some of that other stuff. But you're not worried about how the Rockies benched him down the stretch. The Rockies are. I mean, can we safely say they're the dumbest organization in baseball? I don't. I mean, they're right there. Um, so I, it worries me a little bit. It's not like he's a great defender necessarily. Um, sure, he's in cores. Yeah, he makes a ton of contacts and stuff. And yeah, yeah, speed. And frankly, I'm surprised he isn't going a little bit higher because you know we know the premium on stolen bases. But I had him on a, a few teams last year, and it was really frustrating because by the time we got to September, it was like he just didn't play. Um, so I don't know. I mean, that worries me a little bit. Steamer's projecting him for 109 games. That does feel pretty light. Um, it sounds like you think that he has to make an adjustment though, to be 
a 140 game plus guy. I mean, not really. I I think right now they have Sam Hilliard in center field in Colorado, who we know Colorado hates. Uh, They have Connor (laughs) Joe in left field. They do not have the DH on here, which we all know is coming. Uh, That DH will move CJ Crone. That DJ will move Connor Joe. Ramel Tappy, I believe will be in here um, every day. Uh, Who knows with Charlie Blackman, maybe they unload him to a team. Uh, that's just looking to eat money like the Mets. Uh, that's a great point. Back. That's um, a great point think, because Blackman picked up his own option, I think. Like he's the one that uh, exercised the option. So Yeah, so I, I think all in all, there are, there are bats. I've done the math here, and I think the, I'd be shocked if the bats weren't here uh, for Tappy, especially as a lefty. I think that uh, I know that we're there's always a worry late in the draft that they, they can get more um, – you know, more platoon, but you already have Hilliard in the lineup. You already have Blackman in the lineup. I think you can outperform both of them. Um, and still, you still see a, ma- a majority of right-handers. So again, it's just a guy where I think that where he's going in the draft, depending on what you're doing. And again, he had his, his spread is min 189 max 384. So I don't think <laughs> you got to even take him around the 271 area. I think you can grab him even later than that. So he's just a guy that um, depending on how you're, team is going there's not that many people i think you can get with that kind of upside uh especially yeah. they can steal 20 bases because i mean if you look at the stone base leaders from last year you have one guy at the top in starling Marte, and then a couple other guys well below him like you know trey turner and then it's not that many people stole 20 bases last year yeah yeah i know and, and this you know tapio's still going as late as he was last year that's why he was an ad for me late in drafts because i slacked on steals all draft and then i would pick him up so um yeah, I, I'm intrigued by your intrigue. So I guess we'll uh, we'll continue to monitor. Tactics. I mean, I just just let everyone know. I mean, like you know, the Rockies are a worry. The Rays are a worry, yeah. but the Rockies are a worry for a more comical way. He hit 283 <laughs> in the first half. He hit 252 in the second half. So it's not like we're talking like this guy was trash down the the. You know, they were pro- they were trying to figure out what the hell they were doing in Colorado. Um, so I, I I think that he will be back out there. But yeah, again, I I understand it's it's tough to draft Rockies, and I'd rather not do it at all. But I do like him enough. I think that I think there's something here with him where he could just like come out of the blue, kind of like Charlie Blackman. Remember, uh, he popped one year and people were like, yeah, whatever. This is fake. Uh, right. and it's not fake. Yeah. And, you know, if you find, if you find your breakout and you find it in cores, you can, you can, you know, keep it afloat for a while. As long as you stay but in anyway, cores. He's late. <laughs> yeah. And again, I want, I don't want him near his men. I, I like, you know, him later in the draft, but I like him in this little area of all these risky players. Right. Mike Yastrzemski. Uh, he, uh, no, no, thanks. I, I was off of him last year. Uh, he's, he, he, there's, there's just too much, uh, there's just too much in his profile that, it, that just keeps him from being, uh, someone I'm interested in. It's just, yeah, there, yeah, it, yeah. It's just another one. I mean, like this is, I, I get why we're kind of just kind of skipping through here because like some of these guys, it's just like, okay, I need runs and RBIs at this point. Who's going to be in the lineup? Uh, but there's some risk there. He had only 224 last year. And I know there were some huge proponents of him. Like I don't, I don't frequent uh, baseball savant, but I know that people were obsessed about something with Yastrzemski last year. Um, and I don't know. I mean, what's to really love here? I, I and and he's a lefty. Play. And he, he plays on the platoon capital of the world. He's a lefty right. that hit 170 against lefties. They're not going to let him do that next year. No, no. He's, he's not, Even with he's Alex Dickerson, play. I think is gone now. But uh, still, yeah, I don't like it. Uh, next up uh, is Tommy Pham. 
I mean, literally, they're they're all the same. All these guys are the same player. Power, speed, and a ton of risk. Uh, how many games did he play last year after getting stabbed by a stripper? Dude, 155. Oh, would you have guessed? Yes, he played 155 games. I've been I've been saying that to myself for weeks now because, like, as a Cardinal fan, I I am wired to be like Tommy Fam is always hurt. Hey, Look at audience, the I literally playing. my mind has been blown. I know. Mine was too, man. I, like I what you would you have get? I honestly would have guessed eighty. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I was gonna say like one twenty or something like that. But uh, now let now let's clarify the stab to the strip club thing. I think he was d- committing an act of valor. I think he was helping somebody out. Um, so let's get that out of the way. But um, I, I, <laughs> I think I, I think this is one of the <laughs> things my parent my I don't know who's I I don't know my grandma would say. Don't be in a position to get. She she didn't say this verbatim, but it's basically don't put yourself in a position to be in this. So in this particular instance, it's don't put your position to be stabbed at a strip club. Well, maybe Grandma Williams and Grandma Fam just aren't exactly you know seeing <laughs> eye to eye. But dude, it's not even just last year though. Like if you look now, yeah, he only played half the COVID shortened season. But listen to the games played. Um, and from 2017 through 2019, I wouldn't have guessed this. 128, 137, 145. That's honestly even more than I thought. So I, I I still don't have a lot of interest. He's a free agent. He's going to be 34, but a power speed combo. He, he's one of my, he's always one of my favorite guys. Oh my God. Now I'm interested. I, he was always one of my guys. I'm <laughs> yeah. stunned by the 155. I mean, I am, I'm very, I mean, I'm usually like pretty on everybody. I, he just was wiped from my men in black came by and erased him from my memory. Right. Steamer has him for 130 games, 555 plate appearances, 18 home runs, 15 stolen bases, batting 258. I mean, I'm buying God. that. If he does that, I want that here for sure. Put, like, you put him in. I mean, we talked about Conforto going to Philly. You put him, a guy like him in Philly or, you oh know. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, yeah. wow. That's, uh, I like that. That's interesting. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. I like him. Hey, I like him a heck of a lot more than Austin Hayes. Yeah, I, I mean, I I don't know. I I understand he played a one fifty five last year, but I am still nervous. And he, he no, I no. I mean, how much? Maybe I shouldn't say I like him more than I don't like him more than Hayes. One for one, I like him seventy picks later at price. Um, yeah, yeah. That's I mean, that's a long that's a long drop there. I don't think it's going to change. I mean, what uh, maybe what he signs, of course, but like what right now would make people start buying Tommy Pham? I and literally want to make. I literally want to hop in a draft right now just to go grab Conforto and Fam, because when <laughs> they sign, it's gonna like, whew, you know. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's. Uh, uh, I don't know. I'm gonna grab some Fam. All right. Here is uh, actually one of the more interesting guys, in my opinion, that we're gonna talk about. And he still falls in the same line of uh, the, every single other person we've been talking about: power, speed, and some kind of risk. His name is Lane Thomas for Washington. Uh, you know him well as a yeah. Cardinals fan. Uh, yes. Had only 235 last year, um, but um, in, in 2019, uh, when he first came up at a 316 over a smaller uh, sample size in 2020, only got 40 playing appearances. Well, didn't do too well. But last year, about a 235, seven home runs, six stolen bases. And he's going to get an everyday role in Washington, who all they appear to be doing is giving out minor league deals to people that don't matter. Uh, Michael Franco, <laughs> D. Strange Gordon, um, so yeah, it's safe to say that Lane Thomas is getting a run of the run of the field. They only have him down for 105 games um, for Steamer, which I think is low. Uh, yeah. 16 home runs and 11 stolen bases. I'm willing to bet he plays the majority of the season. So um, I like him here. If you're looking for a, 
um, a death by a thousand paper cuts guy to add to your squad. I think this is a great spot in the draft where he's currently going is about 274. I like yep. that quite a bit. You can get him maybe as late as 315 is max, get him later, the better. But uh, I like him. I, I think the 105 games is too conservative. I, I think he plays almost every day. Yeah, 105 is blasphemy. Um, yeah, I think he's well over 130. Uh, roster Resource has him leading off. Again, grain of salt. But, I mean, it's not like this is a great lineup necessarily. There's a couple, you know, you, of course, you've got the best hitter in baseball in it. You've also got Josh Bell. Um, I know, but, but you got yeah. a guy, you got a power speed guy batting possibly leadoff in front of Cesar Hernandez, Juan Soto, and Josh yeah. Bell. Yeah. Oh, man, I like it. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm starting to feel the same way. Now, he's not, not proven it over the long term, but I mean, this is where it's going 270. And the fact that it looks like this guy's going to play every day, maybe even play 140 games. This is, I mean, you, this has to be a buy here. I mean, this is, we were just talking about Tommy Pham. You know, I, I, basically, we're just talking about old Cardinal outfielders that bloomed late in their career here. Um, but yeah, we, I, I, we, we need to start a, a, a turn to DC. Me and you jump in and I want a rule. <laughs> I am only allowed to build my outfield past 200. I cannot oh, draft an outfielder before 200. I, I think I could be pretty happy. I'll tell you this right now, and it wasn't by design, but I'm nearly having to do that in the draft that I'm in right now. And I think you can do it and like the results, to be honest with you, even though people would say you can't. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you'll only one. You'd have to be sure to shore up your uh, everything else early. Uh, you this because you'd have to hammer outfield pick after pick after pick. So there'd be no taking closers or late pitchers right now. You'd have to take care of that stuff and be smart okay. about it early. But yeah, I'm going to try it because I think I can pick apart um, outfielders, all of my outfield past two, 200 and be quite happy. I'm intrigued by Lane Thomas. I also know that people are out there like really starting to hype him. So I, I could see that falling on its face a bit. I think people are like, Oh yeah, 30, 30 or something. I don't think that, but, um, I think he's going to play and he's going to do a few different things for you. So I am intrigued. Uh, next up, we have a couple of Seattle outfielders right now going, um, as the, if I completely lost my spot as the 73rd and 74th outfielders around going around pick 275. That's Julio Rodriguez and Kyle Lewis. Um, very different. <laughs> They're very different yes. players. Let's start with J rod. Uh, he hasn't played above double a is crushed every <laughs> single area he's been to. And just in high a, in 2019, he batted 462 and slugged 738 um, and only 72 plate appearances. But still, that's wow. Uh, in, in 2021 in high A, he batted 325, 410, 581 with six home runs and five stolen bases before moving up to double A, where he batted a lowly 362, 461, 546 with seven home runs and 16 stolen bases. Um, more importantly, uh, very strong walk uh walk percentage of both 10.4 and 14.1 again double a not triple a and 21.6 k rate and 18 so there's a lot to like here if he gets brought up but you know we saw how long they waited on kalenic uh we know that the the whole memo from last year saying that they weren't even going to consider bringing him up last year but again no at bats above double a smart money would be again on him going back to double a or opening in triple a uh and maybe not being up as early as you'd like. I mean, everyone's hoping for June. They're trying to go for it, but they're going to sign some players to try to make this happen. So I don't know. I mean, I, I, I can't see doing this um, as much wow. as I like him. Uh, I, I I'll, I'd rather be in like the fab circus. Maybe um, if uh, he gets brought up in a fab league, but in a DC 
or I just need some at bats. Uh, who knows what they'll do? There's no assurances here. There's been no indication that they're serious about bringing him up. So now what are your thoughts on J rod? Uh, very, um, some synchronicity right here. I just DM'd you on Twitter as we're talking about him and Kyle Lewis here in the draft. I am currently in, they just literally went back to back. Uh, huh. as what, oh, what pick was that? Uh, it's round 18. Uh, so it looks like, uh, round 18 pick 10 and 11. So okay. that's right around the ADP. I think that we're uh, talking about here. Um, but yeah, I'm not drafting anybody who's never played in the major league. So I'm not drafting J rod. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much all I got for you. Uh, the seven thirty eight slugging I heard you say was pretty interesting, but yeah, he's going to be a superstar. But I'm not going to draft him. Um, yeah, I, if I knew he was going to play, like I'm interested in Bobby Wood Jr. He's never played in the majors before, um, and I am interested in him. It's, it's you know what it is is he is going to be a such a an incredible fantasy player. I mean, every Wander Franco is an incredibly good player. They already, mm -hmm. you know, they signed him to $200 million already. Uh, but he is, he's going to be a much better player than Bobby Witt. But Bobby Witt is going to be a far superior fantasy player if, if he turns out to be what we hope for. And I think this, I actually think the smart money is Bobby Witt is up with them either opening day or really quickly because the Royals aren't shy about bringing people up. Um, but I am typically with you. If you don't have major league experience, I'm not drafting you, but Bobby Wood is interesting. It's more, I have such a fear of missing out on him that I'll make sure I get at least a share. <laughs> uh, yeah. Some people are, are pulling him a little too early, but if I'm in a draft where he'll, where I can get him reasonably, I will. Um, jumping from J-Rod to his teammate, Kyle Lewis, missed most of last year injured. I was so out on him. He looked like someone that was a complete pumpkin. Um, batted 262 with 11 home runs and five stolen bases in the short and 2020 season. Everyone was very hyped on him. He did it with a 341 Babbitt, but you know, in uh, 2019 in limited bats, he did have 351 as well. So people were hoping he'd keep that together on uh, near a 29% strikeout rate last year and only 147 plate appearances, batted 246, only slug 392, five home runs, two stolen bases, 25% strikeout rate. So it's a crowded outfield and J-Rod is coming at some point. I mean, he he did improve his um, his line drive rate fourteen to twenty to twenty three point seven in the limited time last year. Um, you know, the whole thing was he had that elevated home run to fly ball rate in twenty twenty of twenty two percent that dropped down to probably more of an average twelve point five. So the thing is here, like, what are we expecting? Best case scenario, a two forty hitter, maybe maybe twenty home runs at his best, handful of stolen bases. It's, he's pretty much really, really replaceable, except on a team where he could very easily lose at bats. Yeah, um, what you just said is about what Steamer is projecting. I don't really have any interest here. He's never really been that healthy. Um, yeah, not really interested. You know, just I'm honestly, again, when you look at some names coming up over the next 10 or so outfielders, I have no idea why Kyle Lewis would be going over some of these names, but that's where we are. Um, I'm actually trying to find someone who's going like ridiculously later to see how absurd his ADP is. Uh, if I can actually I get it to load. Some, I don't know if you're going to find something like totally ridiculous, but uh, I think the guy going right after him, uh, I don't know why you would take Kyle Lewis over him, but. Harold Ramirez. Didn't Harold Ramirez get traded to the Cubs? Went to the Cubs. Yeah. yeah. He's going to play every day. 
Um, they have steamer hasn't projected for only 34 games at the time they did these four home runs, one stolen base batting 285 last year in Cleveland in 99 games, 268, seven home runs, three stolen bases. I think he plays every day in Chicago. Um, there was someone who actually com- comped him to Wander Franco, not in a yeah, serious Jeff way. Jeff yeah, but in a, but in a, it, yeah. if, if you actually took their projections and put them over 600 plate appearances, um, that's how ridiculous it got. Right now, Harold Ramirez is going at pick 541. And I'm telling you, if he plays every day in Chicago, I'll take him over Kyle Lewis every day, one for one. Let's give some context to that because, well, it's not going to change very much. I was going to say, I have a more recent, like an ADP, maybe after he went to the Cubs, he's still going like 492. So, uh, still, yeah, give yeah, <laughs> yeah, I agree. Give me all yeah. of that. <laughs> yep. So, I'm just saying, it's, I, I just picked him out of the blue, but yeah, the main thing is Kyle Lewis has a lot of things going against him and not enough things going for him. Uh, so we are at pick, uh, we're up to 75 here. Let's go, Will Myers. Uh, I mean, he has the upside. We've seen it. Uh, we've seen it even last year at times. Uh, but we know the the log jam in San Diego, and we know his injury history, and we know that they would probably love to get rid of him and trade him elsewhere. So uh, is he someone you're ever interested in? Because right now, he's still part of that group, that power and speed and injury history. But he's going significantly later than all the other yeah. guys. Last year in only 146 games, still 146. He had 17 home runs, eight stolen bases, batted 256. Uh, 15 home runs in 2020 and only 218 games in f- 2019, 490, 18 home runs, 16 stolen bases. So, I mean, he's pretty much had three years where if you drafted him where you probably did, you were, you were probably okay. I mean, last year his EDP got pushed up a little bit, but um, I mean, okay. I think he's kind of being overlooked here. They haven't projected uh, to about 237 from Steamer, 22 home runs, 10 stolen bases. Uh, I'm not really sure where the 237 is coming from. I mean, the 239 in, in 2019, I think, is a little bit off. He had kind of that he had that 34% strikeout rate, which is way off his entire career average. I think they're weighing that down a little bit. I think you can hope for a 250 uh, over 20 home runs and and uh, above, you know, 10 or so stolen bases. I, I think that's really solid. Uh, the only thing that's keeping him down is we're not sure where he's going to play. I'll be honest with you. I think we need to wipe the injury risk clean with him because, you know, you yeah, look. Three yeah. years, right? Three whole it's, years. Uh, really even more than that. I mean, like 2018, he missed about half the year. So there was a blip in there. But, but the two years part of that played over 155 games. So I think it was really an early career thing with him. Um, I was just thinking about the trade where James Shields for him. I just remember where I was when the Rays got Will Myers from the Royals. And I was like, oh, my goodness, like the Rays know what they're doing. That, that was a great time. But, um, yeah, like I, I don't really – I don't know. I think you can kind of throw the injury history to the side now. And I think that you're also there, – there, you know, there is some concern about the Padres' depth, obviously. I would love to see him get moved. But, you know, what this guy has been capable of doing – I think he's still going to play even with the Padres. Steamer hasn't projected again for 146 games. Um, I like it. I, I don't know why some of the names that we've already discussed are going in front of Will Myers. I think it's nonsensical. Um, but yeah, I, I would love to see him get moved. Um, I think there's some risk maybe with the Padres. But uh, yeah, this is a, this is a veteran who's you know doesn't. I think the health issues are behind him. So I'm 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 a fan of where he's going. Yeah, he's a, uh, of the people we talked about, especially where he's going around 280, max at 335. He's one of my favorite guys so far. Again, boring. People are like, oh, I don't really want Will Myers. He's injured. And like we said, yeah, that's it's stuck on him. Injury prone is stuck on him, and he's, it's not the case. 
Right. Yep. Um, uh, Eric Haas, uh, this, this has to, I mean, this, uh, after, after they signed, uh, brought in Tucker Bert, Barnhart, Tucker Barnhart, and we know their outfield has no spot for him now. Um, they're going to be bringing in someone else. They have Riley Green. They have uh, Badu. They have Grossman. Uh, there's not going to be enough at bats to go around for Haas um, at this ADP. So I imagine a lot of this is early, early ADP. I know we talked about him probably with the catchers a bit, but Alfield, there's no way you should be considering him in this area right now, in my opinion. No, not at all. I wouldn't consider him a catcher really that much anymore either. Uh, Max Kepler, we talked about him already, so we'll just kind of move on. Uh, Vidal Brujan, we saw him come up and the Rays pretty much refused to play him. Uh, another guy I'm just completely not interested in. I understand at 284 uh, with a max of 472. So again, grain of salt where he's being taken. It'll depend on your draft. Uh, there's a lot There's a lot to, that can happen here. But the one thing I can't see happening is him coming up and being handed an everyday role. Um, and if we're still early enough in the draft where I'm not going to be taking you, <laughs> unless I somehow have completely struck out on stolen bases, which I don't because, again, death by a thousand favorite cuts. I try to not put myself in that position. Uh, but the only way you should really be doing this is if you really are hurting and you need to you need to take a few swings as a stolen base guy. Um, otherwise, I don't get it. Nah, I don't either. I, I will not be involved. Same thing with the guy behind him, Garrett Hampson. I've seen enough. I've seen it all I need to see. I, I know what he can do if played a full season. I doubt he ever gets there. Um, you know, I, I like Garrett. I like his teammate um, a heck of a lot more than I can. I know Garrett Hampson's a stolen base guy, though. But yeah, absolutely no thank you. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, you know, he struggles to have a 300 on base percentage, even in Coors Field. So at this point, you probably have built up most of your steals. The multi-position eligibility is nice, but I don't really want to be in a position where I have to draft Hampson. Uh, Marcel Osuna. Where is his recent um, ADP? Because his current... I was just looking. His min is 136. His max was 430. That was obviously before we knew anything. So um, this, I think, was even before the latest news, but this had him up at 239. Uh, I, I think it's safe to say he's probably going even earlier than that. Well, his men's 136. That'll put him around Austin Meadows, Jared Kalinick, Miles Straw, Lords Guriel. That's that makes probably... Sense. I, I Again, I'll let you talk about him because I think this was something that was on, online earlier. I think you talked about a little bit this on the draft champagne contest or... Uh, on podcast contest, we should have a contest. <laughs> yeah, I should. I don't, I don't, tr- I don't draft scumbags, but that's mm-hmm. a personal choice. I have no problem with people that want to. Um, I have no, I'm not judging anyone. This is just like I. Th- this is fun for me doing fantasy baseball, and I don't want to root for players like him. So I'm not taking him. And, and and you could say a lot of people invest, especially, um, you know, you're in, if you're in high stakes, you, you know, you take the names off the jerseys. We already said that before. You're, you're just looking at numbers here. And I have no problem for people that do that. And anyone who shames people to do that's a big mistake. You know, everyone's a good person out here. They have the best intentions. They're just playing fantasy baseball. It is what it is. Don't get on anyone's case. That being said for me, I do watch the game, so I don't want to have to root for this guy. Um, but I can fully acknowledge that his ADP, even at his min, is probably a steal. So I know um, what are you? What is your take on that? So again, we're just talking mm-hmm. about his numbers completely. Uh, if you, you know, let's call him Bob Johnson. His his name is no longer Marcel. Bob Johnson. <laughs> his min is right now going around one thirty ish. Do you think that's a good spot for a guy who just took the entire year off? I don't know. I think we should call him John Dowd. Does that ring any bells for you? <laughs> 
<laughs> MVP baseball 2005. That was Barry Bonds. What, he didn't want his yeah. Like, yeah, he didn't want his likeness to be in the game. So we'll call Marcelo Zuna John Dowd here um, for, for for this segment, I guess. Um, but no, I'm, I'm actually, I agree with all your takes there about, you know, people playing high stakes, you know, you draft who you draft, whatever. It doesn't really say anything about you. I agree with everything you said there. Um, that said, if you're really still analyzing this from like a risk perspective, I, I still am, I, you know, he was involved in, I believe, a domestic dispute with his wife that has, you know, for both of them gone on for years. I don't, uh, it's still, that's still risky to me, you know, outside of any like health stuff. I mean, like that's, I don't know what this guy is involved in and drama. Is there potentially misses more time now? Yeah. I mean, if he does what Steber is saying, 138 games, 27 homers, the same kind of thing that he's always done. Absolutely. Yeah. He's going to be a steal even at that min pick. Um, but I, I still kind of have some doubt about like how much he'll, he'll actually be in there. So, I mean, he's still under contract with the Braves. Obviously he's signed through, uh, I think it's a few more years. Yeah. Through 24. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I actually still feel like it's risky to take him there. I don't know where we'll be. Um, maybe that price, I think maybe inflates as we get closer to the season and maybe there's some more clarity on that. He will be there and be playing. I imagine the Braves will put out a lengthy statement of some kind, but I don't know that yet. So for me, um, Hey, uh, there's a lot of outfielders that do, kind of similarish things to him that I don't like absolutely have to get him. But the fact does remain where he was going. If, if you could speculate on that news, I mean, yeah, you, you may have profited big time there. So it's a wait and see for me, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, everybody's going to play Marcelo Zuda or John out here, I think as they see fit. So. Yeah. He's the worst. And that's all I'll say. He's the worst. Yeah. I well, he's not the that. worst. There's, there's a, there's worse people, but you're, you know, you suck. He's not a good one. It's not a good one. We're moving on. Moving on to people that suck less. Brandon Nimmo. We couldn't be moving on to a more opposite spectrum guy. Um, he has a smile on his face literally at all times. Unfortunately, he also has a cast on <laughs> the majority right, while he's of the time as well. The last three years, he has played in 69, uh, 55 games. Obviously, in 2020 is a good thing, uh, but then only uh, 69 in 2019 and 92 in 2021. The, the, the thing, though, is when he plays, and he plays consistently, he's good. Um, in 2018, he batted 263 with 17 home runs and nine stolen bases with a 404 on base. In 2020, he batted 280 with a 404 on base with eight, um, eight home runs. And then last year, he batted 292 with eight home runs and five stolen bases over only 325 at-bats. I believe in the skills. I, I think if he played every day and it was healthy – Absolutely. I'd, I'd want him in every kind of league. I actually think if given the opportunity to play a full season, he could be like a second or third round pick in an on-base wow. percentage league. Like that's how good yeah. I think like the 20, 2018, I think is something we could see where if this, I think if you, again, that was only 400, 433 at bats, 140 games. If you played a full year, I think you're looking at 20 plus home runs, 10 plus steals with an over 400 on base percentage. Um, as a, you know, a, I don't know. I, he's, he's very good. But the, the fact of the matter is, I don't know how many bats you can possibly count on him. I don't know how many games you can possibly count on. Uh, there may be a thing here where, um, you know, the Mets end up getting another outfielder in as a fourth. And we see uh, Canna and Nemo. 
hopefully not platoon or anything crazy like that, but Kana end up taking over the Nimmo role whenever Nimmo is out, even though they're righty and lefty, Kana actually has some reverse splits. So um, if, unless I'm in, in on, if I'm in an on-base percentage league, I'll still take the health risk because he still doesn't get enough um, love there that's appropriate because of the injury history. But in a five by five um, regular batting average, I don't see how you can do it. He's so good, but uh, this is still high enough where you're just, you're, you're punning, you're punning like half the season at minimum, probably with him. I love his skill set. I have always loved players that do this at like, as I grew up in like the, you know, we call it analytics now or whatever, but whatever it was saber metrics and it wasn't like every front office was doing it. I loved guys like Carlos Santana Joey Votto and everything. And Brandon Nemo is exactly the kind of profile that I absolutely love. And I would love to um, have him ever be healthy. And I'd love to have him on teams. And I'd love them to be a St. Louis Cardinal. But none of those things really are ever true. So, um, I, yeah, I, I just, I can't draft him. I mean, like, yeah, Seamer's projecting 130 games. Okay, neat, I guess. But I, I don't really buy that. <laughs> um, and I also, not to criticize your team, I don't know what the hell the Mets are going to do. I have no idea what's going to happen. There's never any health. Um, they brought in so many different names and stuff like that. I, I love Nemo. I love his skill set. I would love to see him play a full year, but there's no way I'm banking on it. I just can't. Uh, next up is Mr. Lamont Wade Jr. I love Wade. Uh, picked him up off of waivers quite a few places in Fab Leagues. He did fine for me. Uh, they have He, he batted 253, 482 slugging, which is amazing. 18 home runs and six stolen bases over 109 games. That's just fantastic um, amount of production over 381 at bats. They have him projected for a little worse than that over 541 at bats uh, are plate appearances going in next year. Steamer, they have him batting 241, 16 home runs and seven stolen bases. I like him a lot. He's on the Giants. He's a left hander who can't hit left handed pitching. That sucks. Um, we're still in the area of the of the draft where. Again, we haven't even gotten to Andrew McCutcheon yet. We haven't gotten to Rafael Ortega yet. Um, there's still very interesting people. Um, Manuel Margot, um, Dominic Smith, if you want to take. I mean, there's there's still lots of guys with risk that um, you can get for a lot cheaper and just guys that are going to play every day that you can just get a lot later. Um, you, you know, if you want power, go to 493 and get Garrett Cooper. You know what I mean? It's um, mm-hmm. I think this is still a little, little early for a guy like this. Uh, well, I don't know. What do you think? I'm just rambling now. I like Lamar well, Wade. It's just he has he has platoon written all over him. He has regression written all over him. And even though I like him quite a bit, you can't deny the eligibility. Um, and I'm sure we probably touched on him in the first base episode, even though there was like probably a million guys we talked about there. But um, when you get this late and getting a guy at first and outfield, that you, you do need that sometimes. Yep. Like you, you realize like I've only got two first basemen so far, or whatever. But I'm with you. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to mess with a lot of Giants just because of this like very strict platoon stuff. So um, he's an intriguing guy, but I agree with you. I think that he's probably going too high with with other names we have coming. I mean, I think there's a spot too because I mean, I said I believe in the skill. I mean, I I talked about earlier Z contact. How much I love that. He's three years in the majors: ninety two point five, ninety three point eight, and ninety even last year. Uh, His swing and strike rate is eight point two this year, which is great. Year two before that, 5.8 and 4.7. I mean, this guy doesn't chase. He makes high contact. Uh, everything you kind of want is there. It's that he's just a platoon player. Again, if you're going to be a platoon player, be a lefty. You're, you'll play a lot more. He had a 10% barrel rate on all of his p- expected statistics. Pretty much line up with what he did. So it's kind of a 
uh, what you see is what you get kind of thing. They adjusted his launch angle a little bit. His standard deviation launch angle looks fine, though. So he has some nice back control. I think I trust the guys in Cincinnati or uh, San Diego at this point, um, getting the most out of what they can out of players. Uh, but again, he played 109 games, 381 plate appearances. I don't think we see him. I, I don't know. Maybe that's fair. 125 games. Uh, yeah. But when you're when you're playing in weekly leagues, you know, you won't be able to use them some weeks sometimes. And that, and that might get annoying. So it just depends on what kind of team you built, because I believe in the hitter. Um, I you almost I'd almost rather I don't know. I mean, I, I almost rather they play him only against righties. It'll actually make his numbers better if you can plan right. for that in weekly. You almost don't want him to put him out there. I mean, he's so bad versus left-handers. You'd rather him not even play in those games and drag down all of your countings or drag down all of your, uh, you know, your averages. And that is the problem with a guy like in a, in a multi time a week or once a week lineup setting is like, yeah, Wade might be best if the giants have a weekend series, against whoever and it's righty 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 i mean that that's when you play him but very rarely like a monday to thursday i don't know how much you're gonna want to play him because they're usually gonna face at least one lefty they're gonna have a day off and it's like okay i'm getting 67 percent of the games played maybe uh and we go from there so it's not only that but being taken out late in games too you know mixing and matching so it's rough yeah it, it's tough to own giants lefties yeah all right, I think we're about to come to a guy we're doing a disagree on. The 84th outfielder going at 305 right now is Riley Green. I love Riley Green so much. I know you don't like to draft guys that have never played in the majors, but I I have read a couple of places that the plan is for Riley Green to win that job. They want him to take that. Um, they want to, they want him to take that, uh, and uh, possibly on opening day. So last year in 2021, he had 100, 373 plate appearances in double A slash 298, 381, 525 with a 391 Woba, 12 stolen bases, 16 home runs with 11% walk rate, and then went up to triple A to end the year. Still 185 plate appearances, so he got a decent amount in there. 308, 400, 553, 411 Woba, 11.9% walk rate, eight home runs, four stolen bases. So for a guarantee, you know, for a grand total of 24 home runs and 16 stolen bases with a nice walk rate and a crazy um, on base percentage. So I love everything there is to know about him. Uh, plate discipline usually travels with you at every level. His strikeout rate is still around 27%. I would expect that to go up to like, you know, maybe 30 could be North of 30 in his rookie year. But if he, as long as he keeps that, um, that walk rate, 11, 12% walk rate, I'm, I'm pretty happy. So again, for, we're talking about those power and speed guys right now, you can get him at this discount. If we get to spring training and everyone starts to catch on, then he's going to be the everyday and everyday outfielder to Detroit. Where do you think he gets drafted? So even though it's a risk, um, I, he's a risk I'm, definitely willing to take because if he's not up in the very beginning of the year he'll be up soon enough and i really believe in the skills there's definitely a risk here uh, as they're in with all rookies you never know he could come in and, and shit the bed we've seen it with quite a few players <laughs> and very high-end players but i love riley green and a 305 i i'm happily taking him his min is 213 his max is 376 uh i uh, i definitely am going to try to get a lot of shares yeah, I mean, if we're in March and somebody says, like, he's going to be our starting, um, you know, be starting in the outfield, then I think he probably goes around his min pick right, as of right now, which is 213. Um, yeah, that would yeah, put him up around Loriano and Vaughn. Yeah, I mean, 
I still wouldn't do it, but you know, that's me. That's a little, Actually, that's, a little early, that's a little early. I, I like them around. I think I'd rather have them around 250, which is where Canna Tapia is going. That makes some sense. Yeah. And let me, let me also say that you also said that you never take guys that don't have any major league experience either. So I guess Riley green transcends this trend for you. Um, I, I think he, I think right here, he's kind of sat here at the, just past the 300 mark for his right. uh, current ADP. I am pretty certain he's going to have an everyday role, which I love. And the skill set again, plate discipline travels, um, which I, so I think I'll hold on to that at minimum. So I think it's a little bit of a safety net. So, and I just really, I've seen him play live. Uh, I, I like, I like him in particular. I think he's going to, I think he's going to rock and roll from day one. So uh, he's not anyone I'll try to soak up like Brian Reynolds last year, where you like have a hundred percent ownership at a certain level because you just love the price. I won't do that on a rookie, but I, I will, I will invest quite a bit. All I heard is uh, I, I've seen him play live. So you got to stop watching games, Matt. That's really all I can uh, <laughs> tell you here, but uh, yeah, I, I, I won't invest, but yeah, I mean, everything you're saying is intriguing and I have reason to believe that you're probably correct. So it'll be, I, I'd love to see it. I mean, I'd love to see what he does right out of the gate. Um, but I, I won't get involved probably. So, Hey, guess who we have next, uh, an interesting power and speed guy with a, with a limited track record. Right. Who would have thought, yep. uh, Rafael Ortega for the Cubs came up, uh, probably helped a lot of people. I don't want to say win a championship, but it kind of, it may have pushed people, um, in that right direction. You pitched, picked them up, um, 330 plate appearances for the Cubs, 291, 360, 463. 11 home runs, 12 stolen bases. So nothing crazy, but 9.1% walk rate, 21.2% strikeout rate, which if, if you actually look at what he's done for his career, his his uh, his walk rate has always been pretty decent at most of the time. His strikeout rate has been pretty tame for most of the time. And when he's in AAA, he kind of rocks with his batting average, and then he comes up to the major league level a couple of stops. And um, in 2016, he batted 232. He came up in 2018 with the Marlins, 233. He came up with the Braves in 2019, 205. Um, it's just one of those things where he kicked ass in AAA, came up and struggled in the majors. And this time, uh, he uh, they brought him up in Chicago, and he just kind of rocked and rolled, um, similar to what he does in the minor leagues. So this is not something I necessarily want to write off as a fluke. I think this is uh, someone that, again, it's the Cubs. So at bats, yay, yay at bats. Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> um there, there's some definite regression here possible. 349 Babip. He's a uh, 355 Woba, 310 expected Woba. You know, there's uh, there's there's little things that are a little a little sketchy here. He only, you know, it's not like he has a massive bell rate or anything like that. But again, modest powered speed at this late game, late in the game, uh, where you can be getting everyday at bats. I think that's I think I think this is a solid spot to take someone like him. I agree with you. I have some intrigue here. Uh, there, Steamer projects 115 games. I, I feel like that might be low. I mean, would you think he'd play more than that? I, maybe he'd be platooned kind of, but, you know, the guy's 30. He's no spring chicken, and, and I mean that in a good way in terms of playing. And like you said, Cubs are going nowhere. Not going to really go get anybody else. Um, I don't know. Well, I mean, here, here, well here, here's my – here's this is what I would say. You're drafting him knowing risk, right, that he if he stinks, he won't play. So throw that out the window. What's the point of projecting someone for, with that kind of risk? There's no reason. If he pl- if he plays well, like we think he will, he plays the whole season. Mark him down for 160 if, if healthy. If he sucks, they're going to yank him, and then you drafted a dud anyway. So I don't, what do I care about them projecting him for 115 games? I think it's 
he plays well and he plays all games or he sucks and he doesn't and you got to move on and he's never going to play for you. So I think you just got to base your risk on how willing you are to eat that risk. But I think if he plays to the level where I'm drafting him to do, like if he's playing at a level where I'm going to start him, I think he's playing every day for the Cubs. So it's just like, what percentage chance do you think he bombs and kind of ignore their projection? Cause I don't think, I think 115 is something like can't happen unless he sucks. (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah, he's going 306 and a guy who is going to get you double digits, home runs and steals at this point. I mean, and again, grand assault, but roster resource has him leading off. So, I mean, that sounds pretty good. So yeah, he's been on my radar. Um, I think it would be wise for him to be on people's radar. You know, you got to look at these bad teams. We talked about it with Lane Thomas earlier that, you know, guys, you know, actually kind of similar names here a little bit, like that are, you know, likely to play based on the team's skill level. So, yeah, I'm intrigued with Ortega. Uh, next up is Tyler Naquin. Again, modest power, a little bit of speed. Uh, are you any you're interest here? Andrew, are you just going to skip Andrew McCutcheon like that? Or are you? I thought I, ta- I thought I talked about him quite a bit earlier. We so did. I, yeah, I guess, I guess we did. I guess we did. I just, I just have some intrigue with him because – I mean, oh, yeah. he's a free agent. People think he's boring. Um, I don't know. I think he goes somewhere and plays, right? Shit. I, mean, I, I, guess... I, I don't know if he wants to win, if he wants a guaranteed spot to play. Uh, as a Mets fan, oh, my God, I wish he would come on board. If we, if we could, like, you know, having a rich owner, this is what I like about Cohen is I was hoping we'd be able to dominate the mid-market. Like, we could go out and get people on two- and three-year deals because we can just overpay. Like I think they did on Canna and Eduardo Escobar a little bit. Yeah. I don't yeah. think the deals were bad, but you tossed them a little extra cash, get the deal done. That's what I'm hoping we're but cut you and be like, hey, look at Nemo's getting hurt. <laughs> Marte's gonna sit a bit. <laughs> Come over here. We'll pay you a lot more. Come, you know, we'll get you in the game a lot. There's a DH now. We're gonna cut Canal. Um, we'll just uh, come on over here. Uh, but yeah. you know, that would suck from a fantasy standpoint, but he has plenty to go. I saw there was rumors. They'd be going back to Pittsburgh, which would be awesome for the fans. Uh, but, uh, he shot that down, I believe personally, or his agent did. Well, that would, that would mean the pirates would have to like pay him though. So I think that's kind of kind of a you know there's no trade. No, there'll be there'll be a there'll be a salary floor put in and everyone will already be signed and they'll be like shit. All right, McCutcheon. Here's some so back. So here's, some, back. <laughs> here's some very well deserved back pay. Yeah, I'm sure he'll be thrilled. But yeah, no, but I, I, I like he... I like McCutcheon though. I mean, apparently he's not well coming back to Philadelphia. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know what'll happen is he'll probably end up going to Chicago and screwing up some of my some of my at bats. There you go. No more. <laughs> Ortega that actually yeah, be a good um, spot for him though they're doing some weird shit in Chicago they are that, that yeah that would be an interesting situation but I basically with McCutcheon yeah I, I have some intrigue he's already stated he's still playing um I, I'm excited to see where he signs and I think that this is going to be a pretty good price on him at 328 right now uh any love for uh for Tyler Naquin who is who he is at this point not really I mean uh he's hurt pretty frequently I think uh doesn't really do anything um I don't know how much he plays really that, that red situation. I mean, good luck figuring it all out. I think I'm not really that interested now. Yeah. Me either. Brandon Marsh is, he's confusing. I don't know how much he'll play. Um, I don't know what the outfield situation is. I don't know if they want to upgrade at all. They right now in the outfield there, they have trout Um, on some days they have, I don't know, Otani Adele, uh, Brandon Marsh uh, opt in. Uh, they have they have a lot of things, and that's without them adding anyone else. So 
Uh, I know what Marsh has done in the minors, but nothing that has kind of like blown the doors off or anything. So yeah, yeah, I, I see no reason for me to be completely interested here. I know, I know the pedigree, um, but uh, so far when he's come to the major league level, he kind of was okay. Uh, and I, I mean, I, I see why you could say you're at, you're at a point right now in the draft where you're like, all right, well, I could take a shot here if you if you happen right. to believe in the the you know the prospects writers really really tweeting about Marsh and you you want to you want to take a shot, but yeah, I don't know. I I mean, there's there's not a lot of exciting players at this point in the draft. So no. I mean, if you're not taking him, you're make, hoping for a bounce back from Victor Robles. I think if you wanted speed, I'd rather go with Manuel Margot, who was actually he actually had something good going before he got injured last year. But again, that's Tampa Bay; that's its own other thing. So um, I don't know. We're at the point of no return in the draft where ADP is obviously thrown out the window anyway. So I can see taking him. Um, I would rather not. Uh, there's so many other directions I'd probably rather go. Um, with my uh, with with at bats for my team than, than doing anything like that. I think I feel the same way. And again, um, I don't like the Angels. I don't think that they traditionally do things correctly. So I, I, I don't I don't know. I just I don't want to really like depend on them doing anything uh, or counting on you know what their decisions are going to be. So I think the potential is there. I, um, you know, I I could see him doing very well, but you know they always like to spend money on somebody who's thirty. Um, that isn't capable of playing anymore. So I don't know. I guess we'll see what they do, but yeah, there, there's other names to feel better about. I think after him. Yeah. I mean, you know, I could see him, I could see him outperforming ADP and, and maybe performing as well as I'm trying to get up there. Like he can get up to probably, he could probably perform well enough to be taken up where Joe Adele is and the two forties. I could see that, but I can also see him performing as well as Brett Phillips. Yeah. You know, Not so it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, whatever. Uh, so I'm just going to name the rest of the, uh, the people here in the top 100 and see if you have any intrigue here. Randall Grichek, um, no. Sam Hilliard, uh, Dom Smith, Victor Robles, Manuel Margot, Connor, Joe, Jock Peterson. So, um, let me get your take on Dominic Smith. Uh, I was totally out on him the last couple of years when people were all hoped up on him. Um, I don't know where he fits into that team anymore. Uh, I don't, I think it's a disaster. I don't know. What do you think about Dominic Smith? Well, Pete Alonzo has made it known that he doesn't want to DH. So any, any hope of them moving Dom to first and Pete to DH is, is out the window. Plus they have Cano to worry about a lot of other people like JD Davis that are still on the team. You don't know what they're going to do with the designated hitter spot. Dominic Smith is just a brutal left fielder. We're literally one of the worst in the world using the first percentile of outs above average, I believe in the bat. Um, I mean, in 2020, I think he, he hit too many home runs, which I think people saw the, uh, the 10 home runs in the uh, 2020 season over 199 at bats. And they, they got excited. I think he's more of a gap hitter, 20, you know, a doubles guy. He did hit, he did hit 21 doubles, which is fantastic in 2020. So I think he's a guy who could lead the league in doubles. Um, he batted 316, was just over his head. But again, he did have a 301 expected batting average, top 5%. So I think the hit tool is legit, especially if you can hit every day. And I think he's one of those guys that should hit every day that will allow him to make adjustments and allow him to perform. But the problem right now is, yeah, he doesn't have a home. I think they're going to try to trade him or McNeil or J.D. Davis, but right now we're not sure. 
at this point in the draft, I think it's probably an okay spot to take him though. It's, it's, it's a risk. You're not going to get a total zero, but the problem is it's close enough to a zero because if he somehow sticks with the Mets and doesn't have an everyday role, he's hardly startable in weekly lineups. Uh, but again, 232 is the min, 483 is the max. If you can get him towards the back half of that, uh, that's not a bad spot at all because he's a significantly better hitter than anyone we've talked about in the last 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah, good point there. Uh, let me ask you about Victor Robles because, you know, th- this is a lot of people are thinking super, super, super post hype here. And I think with good reason. Um, he's obviously a great fielder. Um, and man, if you're talking about late speed, I think I think we're at the point that people have been burned on him so badly so many times and they're taking it personally and all this stuff. Um, but how does he not crack that lineup? Right now, again, grains of salt, the roster resource has him on the bench. Um, they have some kind of weird names in that lineup other than Lane Thomas. But like, uh, I, I don't know. I I don't know. I mean, do you think he plays? The problem here is everything you said made sense. Like, how can he not crack the lineup? He didn't at the end of the year, though. They didn't. He couldn't crack the lineup for them. He couldn't. They couldn't bring when they traded everyone. They couldn't find a way to squeeze him up there, bring him up and put him there. Um, same with Carter Kibu. I mean, he's going to be given every opportunity, but God, I, I think Michael Franco has taken his job. Um, so wow. I don't know. Uh, I, 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 I really believed in what I saw in Victor Robles last year. I mean, he looked really great in spring training. He's like a, um, you know, one of those spring training all-stars like Lewin, Lewis Brinson perhaps, but We've seen how effective it can be even with brutal plate discipline. In 2019, he batted 255 with a 22.7% strikeout rate on 19 home runs and 28 stolen bases. Uh, t- almost went 20 and 30. So we know what he can do. So I can I have no issue with anyone taking a shot there. Um, you know, I mean, he, he, it's there's no one at the back of this draft with that you can say with all sincerity has a realistic chance of that kind of upside that he has proven that – he has already shown really it's not even dream upside. It's legit upside. Cause we've seen him do it. So yeah, yeah I, I, can, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'll have a share or not. He'll, he'll probably be one of those guys that I'm just going to wait on. I'll see what their plans are for spring training. If they are going to plan on playing him, because even if they say they're going to, I don't think that his ADP will move up enough to prevent me from taking them all together. So right now, yeah, 371 is is a bargain, but um, it could be nothing. So I, I, I don't have a problem with anyone doing it, um, but I think Manuel Margo and going right behind him is probably a better bet um, mm-hmm. if you want stolen bases. And if you just want an outfielder that's just going to produce, I like Connor Joe quite a bit. I think that he is someone that uh, got overlooked a lot uh, he, you know, he had 285, 379 on base, eight home runs down the stretch for the Rockies, less than 20% K rate over 12% uh, walk rate. He's not going to steal any bases. So if anyone's wondering why I'm bringing him up in tandem with Robles, it's not because they're similar. It's just because they're going around similar areas. Uh, there will be some regression though. The 28% st- uh, line drive rate's not going to keep up, but he is uh, usually well above 20 in most levels of the minor leagues. He's like 20, 23, 24%. That's great. So I think that uh, if he can kind of kind of live in the same area we saw, which I think is completely legitimate, you look at all of his expected stats, they kind of mirror his real stats. So it's kind of a, what you see is what you get thing with him as well. Great chase rate, good contact, uh, low swinging strike rate. So Connor Joe, um, he's someone that I think is 
should be moved up everyone's board. He's first in outfield, which is great at this point of the draft. I think he will play every day, especially with that DH in Colorado. So as far as we round out the top 100 outfielders, he's coming in right now in 98. I love him. I will take him significantly higher than where he's going. I'd rather have him than I would rather have him than uh, I'd move him up to 293. I'd move him up to at least ahead of Brandon Nimmo. I'd rather have him than Yeah, that's about what I yeah, was thinking. I'm yeah, I think right around that area. So I think that's a you're this is a good spot where you can get him right now. About 100 um, spots later than than I I I'd be comfortable taking him 100 spots earlier in this. His min is 227 though, which is a little bananas. So uh someone's getting a little nice. someone's taking him again. That's up with Loriano and Andrew Vaughn. So I mean, wow, someone really believes in him. <laughs> um so yeah i mean again grain of salt but uh you know so roster resource has him leading off for the rockies i don't um again rockies will do what rockies do i don't know how often that happens there's a lot of options there but yeah i'm with you i mean i think there's a lot to like here and I, i'm just kind of surprised that he is going that low I, I heard you say that he's first base eligible i believe he is only outfield eligible i don't yeah, he's probably first base eligible maybe some other formats but i know in fbc he's just outfield either way though I think the opportunity we have here and him going at almost 400. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I I could see him going far earlier than that. All right. And what else do we have? Anyone left here in the top 100? That's up. I mean, that's pretty much it. We've already talked about Dylan Moore a little bit. Lorenzo Kane. Let's just end with him. Let's end with Lorenzo Kane. He's 103 on our board, but we skipped some, uh, some guys that are uh, out uh, at different positions. So uh, he, he looks good at certain points. He's obviously getting a lot older. Avisal Garcia out and um, Hunter Renfro in. What do we think of uh, of the of the uh, the aging star? <laughs> well, there's just been you know obviously hurt last year, sat out. Well, he actually did start, I guess, the COVID season and and then sat out. Um, uh, yeah, he's just you know for what his skill set is, it's not one that necessarily ages super well. He's not going to hit for much power anymore. I don't, I don't know. He's still good defensively. I'm a little mixed on this. He he really could play and produce a bit. Um, but for the the small amount that he's played since 2019, it's, I'm just hesitant to get involved. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I'm basically throwing a dart here. I, I really don't know what to think. I think there's still some skills there, but I, I'd ideally like to have my outfield pretty much filled by this point. And frankly, there's even guys going a little bit later than him that I would rather roster. Yeah, so, uh, I, I like. I think at this point you want to roll a narrative on higher upside or more bats, right? I already yeah. threw out the my random guy earlier of uh, Harold Ramirez. Um, there's there's Lars Newbar. I think is someone that with the DH in St. Louis, he can find himself some nice at bats. There, there's plenty of randoms. Um, Yadiel Hernandez, who actually they have starting for Washington. I, I wouldn't yep, really throw yep. him in there, but and there's lots of interesting people later. So yeah, this is at this point, there's no reason to to, to pull on people like Lorenzo Kane and, and draft them earlier for namesake alone. Um, yeah, you're you're well past that point. Seth Brown, another name with the A's likely tearing it down. That could be that could be some playing time there too. Yeah. If you if you squint and look here, even into the five hundreds, you can you could, that's where you can make some profit here and see some other playing time with outfield. I love Seth Brown. I always get sucked in and I'll get sucked in again. Yep. There you go. <laughs> All right. So that's uh, through the top 100 outfielders. We did it. Uh, that we did. actually, I like going through that was an interesting exercise. Very weird tier from our, I, oh, I should say 100 to 200, <laughs> I should say. Yeah. Um, I agree. The, 
yeah, there's so, so, some really weird and interesting players going there. So, um, anything that you kind of learned or maybe you change your strategy based on the, the, uh, the, the show we had here, it almost makes me want to wait on outfield a little bit. Well, grab my, one, grab my one stud and then just come back here and shop. I think that's the nature of us doing this show, to be honest with you, because even back when we did third base, the whole industry is spouting about third base is a wasteland and yada, yada, yada. Well, it, it is, unless you kind of feel like maybe you educate yourself on it a little bit. And I, I I no longer really feel that way about third base. I haven't necessarily been, you know, drafting early third basemen. And yeah, I think with the outfield, there's opportunities here too. Maybe I'll fall flat on my face and have the worst season of my life and I'm totally wrong. I don't think that's the case though. But yeah, I agree with you. I think that you can find some pockets here in the outfield. Um, but yeah, really weird. Like you said, some strange guys in there, but intriguing too with a lot of different skills so yeah i think you can make a good outfield post 200 that's that'd be a good exercise to do all right everybody thank you for listening to the turn two podcast uh you know as hopefully the lockout gets gets straightened out here eventually uh we'll be back uh, with a couple of shows this week so this will be the first one of two we'll actually get into um, a little bit of strategy going forward as far as what we've seen overall we got we talked about it a little bit as uh, through the outfield here is you kind of brought it up where people are th- talking about third base being accessible. Uh, the next show we do, me and Brian are going to be talking about just how we're feeling about the player pool, um, how we feel roster construction could go different ideas. Cause there's a lot of, there was, I was in a conversation the other day where, you know, it's uh, where they're going right now. People are trying to pair up Luis Robert or Robert and Luis Robert and uh, Kyle Tucker in the first round. I was just saying, oh, I don't know. That sounds fantastic, uh, right. but it, it's it's just going outfield. Outfield seems suboptimal. And of course, after doing the show, I I kind of double down more. on that. But right. we'll go through a lot of different strategies that maybe you can do going in weird different things, and maybe uh, go through uh, the player pool and discuss uh, different things you can try. That's going to be a fun one, yeah. Because you know, and we're probably going to end up talking about how you have to work backwards. You know, with the draft, you need to know what's what's back there at each position to know what to do up front, obviously. And then, you know, you've got your pocket aces strategy. And does that change this year? Because everybody feels like there's more depth with pitching and some of those middle tiers. So yeah, I'm excited for that one. All right, everybody. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Matt Williams, M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-A-M-S. Brian, where can they chase you down? Uh, at Brian J. Seymour on Twitter. Don't tweet an awful lot, but, uh, you know, when I, do, I'm, when I do, I'm trying to recruit people to get into these DCs we got going on right now because I want to be drafting. So um, super pumped to be in it and, uh, you know, just ready ready to draft the rest of the offseason here. So fun times. Man, maybe we'll get some listener league. Uh, maybe we'll get some listener league best balls and uh, DCs going here uh, to, as, the, uh, as the lockout goes on. Give everyone a little something to do. There we go. Uh, So thanks for listening to Turn 2, everyone. We'll be back with another uh, episode this week. See everybody. My, oh, my. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play fantasy. I know I turned two in a day, but the lace isn't hot in my veins. I can turn two in every way, so I turn to you two today and smash play. I'm prepared to listen. The x fipping wit got me looking way past the pitches. Statistics all that I know, and I know that who is on first, he can say I'm ready to go. <laughs> I ain't trying to steal second or third, because I want to win first. How am I to put all of these numbers to words? I know the terms from A to Z, it's like a gift and a curse. I know the difference between a splitter and a curve, but if I can't put it in the points, man, then what's it worth? I need the truth. I need knowledge. Found this podcast with all of it, but what they call it? Turn two. Turn two. 
turn to what it do. Win leaks. Catch out. Catch out.